Lauren Herzog was originally questioned about the disappearance of Cindy Vanderheiden on November 20th, 1998, less than a week after she went missing. You can find parts of his police interview on YouTube. We presented this video of his interview, along with a few others, to someone who works for the federal government in behavior detection and analysis. To set the scene, in this interview, Herzog is sitting in the corner of a police interview room. His hair is styled into a long mullet. He is wearing a pale yellow or possibly white t-shirt over his heavily tattooed arms. There is something in his breast pocket of his t-shirt, possibly a pack of cigarettes. He has a pair of sunglasses pushed back on his head. The interview is being conducted by San Joaquin County Sheriff's Detective, Deborah Scheffel. If you would like to watch the video in full, you can find the details on our show notes and in our Facebook discussion group. This is Mike's analysis of Herzog's original interview with the police. My name's Mike. Uh, I work for the federal government and I do behavior detection and analysis. And it's pretty much in a capacity that's not well known to the general public. I've been doing this for 12 years and prior to that, some of it, did some of it in my military service as well. At some point, depending on, on, on some things here, you might have to make a real hard decision between your wife and your family and yourself and your life and your old friend, Wes Shermantine. There's no hard decision at all. Okay, and... I've already told you that. I mean, my family's more important than anything in the world to me. Right. But I also sense in That's you, Lauren, that, that, you're, that you're a good friend, and that unless we hold your fence to the fire, you're not going to give up, Wes, unless you're absolutely forced to. Give him up what? I mean... Well, I've already told you the what. The what that's bothering us, that we have a young woman who was seen no. talking with you guys, and we have a chunk of time that's unaccounted for. I mean, I'm, you're not an intelligent, Lauren. You you can see, you know what this, what our problem, what the problem is. Well, yeah, I can understand that, but like you said, you got other people that said the same thing I said about what after the bar. So on November twentieth, nineteen ninety eight, right from the start, we're watching Lauren in the in in the interview room, interrogation room. And in his body position is one that he's leaning in towards the interrogator. And he does this a lot with one shoulder forward and then one of the shoulders is lower than the other or higher than the other. Now he does this a lot, like I said, it's an aversion behavior. Aversion behavior is he doesn't want, he doesn't want to listen to what the interrogator is saying. He's very uncomfortable with it. 
whenever you see him do this, one shoulder up, kind of turned away or turned towards the interrogator, it's the same thing, especially when one is dropped a little lower. That means this is a sore subject for him, and he, he has a lot of dislike for this, for whatever subject they're talking about at the time. And if you couple that with other verbal and nonverbal cues like fidgeting and lack of eye contact, you're going to get a, a lot of behavior to clusters, which are usually, usually indicative of deception. Witnesses tell us that you, Cindy, and Wes are huddled up at the end of that bar. I don't remember being in any with anybody. All right, but you guys are talking for not just a minute, not just a couple of minutes, but for an extended that, period of time. That's, I can't, I can't recall that. I mean, I can't picture that at all. And at 1423.18, the interrogator states that the interrogator was talking about they were sitting at the end of the bar talking for an extended amount of time Lauren, Cindy, and Wes. And as she was describing, he or she was describing this, he states, I can't recall that. I can't picture that at all. Now, this is an easy thing for someone being deceptive to do. When they say this, it's called a deceptive memory lapse. A deceptive memory lapse is when the subject has been basically put in a position where a definite answer must be given. And the easiest thing for him to say is, I don't recall, I don't remember. So he doesn't incriminate himself. This answer always indicates a very likely indicator of deception. And he, he does this a lot, as you'll see in, the, in my list of, uh, of indicators I've, I've, I've noticed in the, in, during these interrogation videos. What do you think happened to Cindy, Warren? Uh, I really don't know. I thought about it, I don't know. So at 1447.23, the interrogator asked, what do you think happened to Cindy? And Lauren replies, I really don't know. I thought about it, but I really don't know. Another memory lapse, like I just stated before. He doesn't want to incriminate himself by giving any kind of story. Maybe he might mess up further down the road and tell a different story. So it's easier for him to say, I don't know. They pretty much know that we're only going to find a body. They pretty much know that by now. That's our way to think. Yeah, but you know what? No, there's nothing positive about this. So that the relationship between Cindy and her family was so close that there's no way that she's not that she's voluntarily gone. Okay, and they've pretty much resigned themselves to the fact that that all they're looking for now is her body. But you know what? They need that. So at 1448.29, the interrogator states that they're going to find a body. Herzog states, you have to think positive. Now, he, what he's doing, he's trying to redirect the conversation. He wants to make it positive. He thinks we have to have hope that they're going to find her alive. He doesn't want to even think about finding her body. It's just something he's doing automatically. Let's think positive about this because, you know, they could still find her, which we obviously know they won't. Can you imagine not knowing? The not knowing where she is yeah, is different. harder than knowing because they already know that she's not coming home. But can you imagine Christine disappearing and not knowing where her, really 
1448-53, uh, the interrogator's talking to him about the parents need the body. They need that. This is when he instantly drops his shoulders that's closest to the interrogator. And that's another aversion indicator. He doesn't want to talk about it for whatever reason why. The interrogators really don't like go down those rabbit holes because I don't know if they knew about body language and all that. But when you and you're interrogating someone and you see these cues and you see the reaction to the, the questions, they should go down what we call going down the rabbit hole. Like if that question affected him and he showed a behavior and they need to investigate that a little more. And a lot of times they just let it go. We've stumbled across lies and we don't know why the lies. The lies are for two reasons. Because the person that's telling the lie knows that they've had something to do with Cindy's disappearance and they're afraid or they're guilty. To 1449.53. And at the time he moves, he's talking about lies they've discovered from the investigation prior to this interrogation. He moves back away from the interrogator in size and looks at his watch. Looking at his watch is a is a, a stress indicator. It's called fidgeting. Sighing is, you know, he's just letting out air. He's stressed. He wants to decompress. He doesn't want to talk about what he possibly implicated himself in before. He moves away. He wants to get away from this part of the, this conversation. He doesn't want to talk about it. You'll see him move back. People lie for all kinds of reasons. And I, and I don't why. know why they lie. I don't know either. Wes is lying and I don't know why. Is it because he had something to do with Cindy's disappearance and he knows that? Or is there some other reason? I don't know. But do you see, I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you, Lauren, I'm just I, saying. I know. You ask me why am I putting I, it through I this? I want to find Cindy and put her parents. It's agony to even be around them. And at 1450.11, asked if Wes had something to do with Cindy's disappearance. He asked, do you see why I'm inputting you, I've been putting you through this? I want to find, I want to find Cindy. He rubs his face and leans on his hand like he's disinterested with the conversation. He doesn't really care about her parents. He doesn't want to know anything. He's bored. He's basically putting on, I'm bored of this. I, I really don't want to talk about it. And he does this a lot, like he's not interested in the questions they're asking him. If it come right down to push and shove, would, if, would Wes choose, if Wes needed to cover himself, he'd give you up in a heartbeat. You know he would. The likes of Freddie and him, are they going to cover for you? Never. Are they going to cover for me? Huh? It's funny, are they going to cover for me? Alright. I don't know what they'd be covering for. Well... And at 1451.33, the interrogator states if Wes was needed to cover himself, he would give him, he would give Lauren up in a second. Are they going to, is he going to cover for you yet? You know, the interrogator asked. He gives a shrug, then he chuckles. Now when someone chuckles, it's called a cover, the cover indicator. And he wants to like, 
make you forget the seriousness of the question. So they laugh like it's lighthearted and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. So he just chuckles and plays it off and hopefully you'll forget about it. Oh, he's, he's laughing. He's, 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 uh, not really serious about this question. So let's move on. So they call that a cover indicator. And, uh, that's pretty interesting when you see him laugh. And he does that a few times as well. You, you grew up with Wes, and you've known the good. There is good about him, but there is bad about him too. I've I've met him on both sides. I've seen him. In, I've seen him in both. That's true. But some folks have got some pretty bad. But their bad side is pretty pretty bad. I I just finished the report from Calaveras County on that gal that he got hooked up with back last year. Yeah, I didn't want to know that. I heard something about it. I didn't want to know more about that. 145430, the interrogator brings up a case he finished up with, a gal he got hooked up with last year. Herzog replies, I heard nothing about that. I don't even want to know about that. It's an evasive and vague answer and a dismissive gesture. He turns away from the interrogator. You can see his body turn away. He doesn't want to talk about a case that, that she worked on that Wes was hooked up with some other girl a year ago. So he doesn't want to know it. He doesn't have anything of any recollection about it. He doesn't even want to know about it. So he just turns away from the interrogator like I'm I'm not talking. I'm shutting down. He gets pretty wild when he's when he's doing drugs or when he's cranking and when he's drinking, doesn't he? He gets pretty wild, doesn't he? I don't know. Wild enough I think. At 1454.42, he gets pretty wild. They're talking about Wes. The interrogator says he gets pretty wild when he's been drinking and cranking, doesn't he? I don't know, uh, Lauren says. I don't know. Wild enough, I'd say. You know, just just dismisses it as, you know, no big deal. Yeah, he gets wild. I'd say, you know, no big deal. I'm kind of downplaying it. You ever think that Wes would be capable of forcing a girl to have sex with him? I don't know. Uh, probably. Maybe not. Maybe not. At 1454.53, asked if Wes is capable of forcing a girl to have sex with him. Lauren's answer is, I don't know. Probably. Maybe. Maybe not. Evasive and vague. Pure sign of deception right there. He doesn't want to go down with any details. He doesn't want to implicate himself. He's just going to be evasive and vague. Answer the question, but not give any details. 1501.38, he does the shoulder dip again. You'll see him doing that. At some point, um, in order again to further eliminate you, we would probably ask you for a blood sample and hair, hair standard samples. Would you be willing to do that? to further eliminate you from what's going on. I'm you just keep sucking me in more and more. Well, no, no, no. Not we had Bill. This is a problem. Okay, but remember this. You're not the only one who's done this. This is, You're like the fifth or sixth person, and we always ask them. This is what we call a process of elimination. Well, that's what they started out. Yeah, but do you understand? Right. I mean, what would you have to worry about? Nothing. Your sample's not going to be there, and, you're, and nothing of your biological fluids is going to be there, right? Right? going to be anywhere. Nowhere. Right. And see, we won't know that unless we took those samples and compared them to the samples that we find. Right? Got it. Is that right? Right. 1501.51, 
asked about giving hair and blood samples, he leans away from the interrogator and states, you keep sucking me in more and more. That's the way I feel. And that's the sympathy. He's throwing down the sympathy and he wants the uh, interrogators to feel bad for him. You know, we're putting him under too much stress. You guys, you know, keep sucking me in more and more. I feel that way. And, you know, I want you to feel bad for me. Lawrence, he does a lot of jerky movements uh, during his interrogation. And through my experience dealing with a lot of people who do that, usually comes from drug use, especially meth and, you know, crank and all that stuff. They just make these unusually weird movements. You'll see him jerking around. He does that a lot. So we're going to kind of include that in his baseline, his, his behavior, the way he is. We're going to call that fidgeting or stress-related behavior. But that's just the way he acts. So you, you'll see if you watch these interrogation videos, he's got a lot of those weird jerky movements. And the other thing I'm going to ask you is that at some point, if, if it's necessary, and that's why I'm asking you, yeah, or we'd be doing it now, would you be willing to either take a polygraph or a truth verification test that verifies that you do not, in fact, know anything about the disappearance of Cindy Vanderheide? Because what would the results of that test be when asked that question what would the results be do you know anything oh that's a whereabouts now at 150241 the interrogator asked him would you be willing to take a polygraph he does the shoulder dig again aversion you know he doesn't want to talk about the possibility of taking a polygraph 150258 the interrogator asked what would the result be about the question do you know anything about the disappearance of Cindy he answers about the whereabouts. You know, my heart's bouncing right now. You know, they didn't ask him about the whereabouts of her. Did they know about her disappearance? So he volunteered that information about the whereabouts. He said, no, my, my heart's been, my heart's bouncing right now. So that indicates, you know, he's going under, under a lot of stress right now. But uh, if, he's, if he's saying that he's, uh, his heart's really racing, then you know he's under a lot of stress with that question. Do you know anything about the disappearance of Cindy Vanner right now? Okay. Do you suspect that anyone is is involved in her disappearance? Is there anyone that you suspect is involved in the disappearance of Cindy Vanner? I don't know. I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be suspecting. Well, if it was Christine, you'd be certainly thinking about people that around you and who, who might have been responsible for that, we're asking you, is there anybody that you suspect that's more likely to have something to do with Cindy's disappearance than I have been last year. Okay. Anybody else? 150317, uh, I asked if there's anyone you suspect is involved in the disappearance of Cindy Vanderheiden. He gives a delayed response followed by, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not trained to be suspecting people. Basically being defiant, meaning, isn't that your job? You know, in the delayed response, always, he's given himself a little extra time. And you'll see in my other uh, observations, some of them are pretty lengthy. He's thinking of a better answer. He's thinking of an answer they want to hear. So he's coming up with this thing. Isn't that your job? Shouldn't you be suspecting people? Okay.
Can we take you back home? Please. <laughs> Please. At 1503.52, asks, can we take you back home? He turns his whole body away from the interrogator and laughs and says, yes, please, or something to that effect. But, um, yeah, he he does a lot of that aversion behavior. He doesn't like what they're saying. He doesn't like what they're asking him. And uh, we'll see in uh, the other uh, films that he's got a lot more to come. Foul Play is brought to you by Honey. I know you can't tell by listening, but I'm 6 foot 9 inches tall and I wear a size 17 shoe. So as you can imagine, I have to do all my clothes and shoe shopping online. I know I'm not alone. You shop online too, right? We've all seen that promo code field at checkout. And if you're like me, we do a quick online search for promo codes before giving up and just paying the full price. But thanks to Honey, Manually searching for those promo codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free browser extension that finds promo codes for you and automatically applies them to your cart. Imagine you're shopping at Nike. When you check out, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. Wait a few seconds as Honey scans its databases for all the working coupons for that site. Then watch the prices drop. Even just today, I ordered a new phone holder for my bike. Honey popped up during my checkout, and I instantly saved 15% from my order. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online, such as Walmart and DoorDash. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight missing out on free money. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash foul. That's joinhoney.com slash foul. These last few months have been tough on all of us, and we've all been finding ways to make things easier. Personally, I've discovered Sunbasket, which has been a revelation. No more having to queue outside the grocery store, no more working out what meals to cook every night, and no more spending hours in the kitchen preparing food. We've been having some baskets delicious and healthy meal kits delivered straight to the door. Each week, all I have to do is log on to the website and choose from a wide range of mouth-watering recipes. A couple of favourites in the last month have been roasted salmon with miso-glazed eggplant and hoisin steak strip lettuce cups with pickled daikin and carrots. And if you've got special dietary requirements, you don't need to worry. Some basket caters for paleo, vegetarian, gluten-free and more. Plans are flexible. If you need to skip a week, no problem. And for those family favourites, you can even choose to double up. I guess at the moment we're all concerned about health and safety when we're ordering online, but you don't need to worry with Sunbasket. Their facilities have the highest level of both food safety and employee safety. Right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash foulplay and enter promo code foulplay at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash foulplay and enter the promo code foulplay at checkout for $35 off your order. S-U-N-B-A-S-K-E-T dot com slash foulplay and enter the promo code foulplay. 
Foul Play is also brought to you by Feels. Do you experience stress or have anxiety or chronic pain or have trouble sleeping at least once a week? Well, you're not alone. Many of us do. Personally, when I travel for the podcast, my anxiety goes through the roof. I'm always worried about making others feel comfortable to talk to me, and I never know who I'm going to encounter. There is a killer on the loose, after all. I'm not a fan of most traditional solutions to anxiety. My stomach normally doesn't handle them well, and having an upset stomach while on a trip will only make my anxiety that much worse. I began searching for other options that would help. Then I discovered Feels. Feels is a premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Feels works wonders for my anxiety, and the bottles are the perfect size to keep in the tiny pocket of my Mike's case. I just place a few drops of Feels under my tongue, and I feel the difference within minutes. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash foul, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels.com slash foul to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. F-E-A-L-S dot com slash F-O-U-L feels.com slash foul. A few months ago, I started analysing more what I was eating and the nutrients my body was getting. It turns out, unsurprisingly, that my diet wasn't that good and needed a lot of improvement. So I started looking at what I should be eating and realised that even if I gave my diet a complete overhaul, introduced green smoothies and ate salads every day, I probably still wasn't going to get all of the nutrients I need. I don't want to take eight different vitamins every day and have to monitor what I'm eating to make sure my body is getting what it needs. But with Ritual, I don't need to. You just take two easy to swallow capsules every day. I've been taking Ritual for a few months now and I've noticed that my energy levels are up, I'm less lethargic and I'm generally feeling better in myself. I mean, there's a long way to go. I'm not ready to run the next London marathon, but it's definitely a great start. These capsules are especially developed for women and you can tell that a lot of time has gone into the look of the product and the presentation. They come in a clear bottle in a pretty presentation box. The capsules themselves are also clear so you can see exactly what's in them. I'm one of those ladies that loves pretty stationery and this is the equivalent for me. So what do you need to know? Well, two capsules provide you with nine of the nutrients you need on a daily basis from D3 to Omega-3. Capsules are gentle on the stomach and there's a nifty little mint tab in each bottle, which means you don't get that fishy aftertaste that you get from some tablets. They are sugar-free, vegan-friendly, non-GMO, gluten-free and allergen-free, and they're delivered straight to your door on a subscription basis, so you don't need to worry about running out. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash shadows to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash shadows. That's R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash shadows.
We asked Mike some generic questions. Mike told us that Lauren's response to a question is often in a pose with one shoulder up and one down. We asked if it made any difference to the interpretation, which shoulder is in which position, or is he just looking at the pose overall? It's just that complete pose usually, and I'll get into this a little later. When he does that, and the, and the shoulder pointing forward is a little lower, and he gazes downward, that's a very likely likely uh, indicator of deception, probably like 99% that he's being deceptive, especially when he does that position and, and gazes down. These videos, they're kind of grainy, so obviously because they're pretty old. And it's hard to see sometimes when he gazes down, but you'll be able to tell by his head movement uh, and his kind of face disappears from view. But you'll, you'll be able to tell when he, when he kind of gazes down. Mike said it doesn't look like the police followed up on the body language that Lauren was displaying. We asked if this is something he had seen in older cases and something that has evolved more recently as a technique. Yeah, I would I would say you're probably right because the way the training I went through is, you know, there's a whole list of stress, fear, and deception cues we look for, both verbally and non-verbally. So when you see, you, you say you ask someone a question, did you rob the bank? And all of a sudden their eyes get wide and they start touching their face. Well, that's something there, you know, that's a sore spot for them. So let's go down that rabbit hole saying, were you in the vicinity of that bank? You know, do you bank there? Do you know anybody, you know, questions mm-hmm. about the bank and why, what you were doing at that time of day, actually. You're probably yeah. right. They didn't probably have a lot of training in, in, in that back then in the 90s. So, yeah. When I went through training and still continue to train, it's ongoing. You know, you have to be careful because sometimes one indicator is not a definite sign of showing any kind of deception. It really shows up when you get those clusters, like more than one. You know, that's when you really want to look at these people. Herzog was interviewed by police again on February 1st, 1999. The interview was conducted by San Joaquin County Sheriff's Detective, Deborah Shuffle. This interview comes in two parts. We will hear Mike's analysis of part one in this episode, and part two will be featured in our next episode. Again, the details of where you can watch the video online are in the show notes. On the video, you see Herzog set in the corner of a police interview room. He's wearing a black top under a plain black hoodie. On his head, he is wearing a black baseball cap with a gold emblem on. Lauren, you have today, because I have drug you in here, kicking and screaming, you have an opportunity to separate yourself from Wes Sherman time. Wes is gonna go with or without you. And today is the time and the place for you to decide which it's gonna be. Well, I ain't going. I've done nothing. He ain't going with me. He ain't taking me with him. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I ain't done nothing to be going for. Lauren, I, I I sure hope you're telling me the truth because I see you as an opportunity 
to do something that we probably will not have an opportunity to do unless we get lucky, and that's get Cindy's body back, because Wes will never. That's, I can't have you there. This, again, is Lauren Herzog. Again, he's got the same thing. He's kind of doing the same thing. He's in a leaning forward position, not so much the shoulders. His hands clasped. And he's moving his fingers around, so we call that rubbing and wringing of hands. So we're going to call that a stress indicator. He's under a lot of stress right now. And they're, t they're talking about getting Cindy back. And he says, I can't help you there. I don't know. Another memory lapse. He doesn't want to implicate himself on if he knows anything about where she is or anything like that. I don't know. Okay. If I, I swear, I, I told you that is. You know, if I knew, this is the truth. I don't give a I would have told somebody. Didn't make him up with 20,000. Hell, I could use 20,000. I'd turn to say, okay, whatever. But if I, if I knew her, if you I swear to God, if I knew where she was, I'd tell and at 1625-25, he's got his palms up and open. He opens his palms, he turns them open. So what that indicates is like he's trying to convince the interrogators that he's telling the truth. I'm telling you guys the truth about everything. It's not, I'm not lying, you know, this is what I'm saying. That's a typical sign of de deception. He's trying to be open, he's trying to convince them, but you know, we all know that he's probably being deceptive. At 1625-27, he says, I swear, and then there's some part of the video that's not understandable. If I knew where she was, this is the truth. And he raises his hand like he's swearing in. I would have told somebody. What those indicators are called denial flags. And denial flags, I think Shane has heard me talk about these before. It's like saying something like, I swear I didn't do it. I swear on my mother's grave, on my children. I swear to God, I didn't do it. Highly, highly likely that's deception. And he said two of them in that one statement. So it's called a denial flag and those are interesting things. So he's trying to be truthful. He's swearing on his, on his kids. He's swearing on the Holy Bible that he's being truthful. Without the money. Money not being a factor. All right, okay. I'd tell somebody. All right. If I really knew, I would tell somebody. And, and Lauren? I wish I could. At 1625-43, he does a, what we call a dismissive gesture. He weighs off the idea of them, you know, giving him money if he really knew. I don't want money. You know, I don't have to take any money. If I really knew, I would tell somebody. I wish I could. You know, again, he's trying to convince people that he he's being truthful. If I really knew, I'd tell somebody. It's the same thing as prior. It's like a denial flag. He's saying, I swear, if I knew, I would tell you. Highly likely that he's being deceptive. What would motivate you to tell if you knew where Cindy's body is? What kinds of things have gone on in your mind since this thing started? You know, the family thing. You know, for mom, dad. Come on, man. I got kids. One of my kids is missing. Okay. I don't want to do it. I ain't mine. I self-destruct. 1626 00. Notice this is, a, this is a physical cue now. Notice the bulging neck artery in his neck. It's like a rope. What that indicates during this interrogation at this time, he's under an unusual amount of stress. And you won't see it before in like the prior class.
clips. You'll have to rewind and go back and compare it to what you see after that. But you'll see this big neck out of you. That means his blood pressures up and his carotid artery is just bulging through his skin. Lauren, this is a sick man. This man has not, this is not the first time. And if, and if he's not stopped, this won't be the last. And he has no feeling in here about it whatsoever. None at all. Has he ever even jokingly said to, to you, you either fall in line, Lauren, what was the threat? Even if it was what was the threat? At 16.29.03, when asked what was the threat from West, did he threaten you? He does a huge delayed response, over five seconds. His mind is thinking, you have to give a good response here because this is going to be very important. He's saying, you got open, you know? Kind of just giving me an idea. He's trying to be intimidating. He is very intimidating. And I can never, there ain't no telling why you'll you know which way he turns or goes. Right. You know what I mean? That, and that ain't, he ain't always been like that. No. And uh, but when he started that, when it was like, I've known him for so long, and he didn't trust me no more. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's when we were friends with him. When he stopped trusting me, and it was like, okay, <laughs> now I know you. Lauren, I'm telling you that the person that brings you to those, to being West Shermantine and Lauren Herzog, West Shermantine and Lauren Herzog, it's West that brings you to these investigations, not the other way around. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because when West gets cornered, who does he say he's who who does he say he's with? Do you know what he said in the Chevy Wheeler case thirteen years ago? Do you remember being interviewed on the phone by Sergeant? No, at the front of my house he talked this he talked that that was the only time I talked to him about that. But do you see what I'm saying? For this sure. is how, this is part of how you keep ending up in these cases. Yeah. But he can't even talk to me and I don't know why. He has no problem using you as an alibi. And at 16.29.13, he cubs his mouth when answering and it's inaudible. When you cover your mouth when answering, it's a, it's a sure sign of deception, a classic sign of deception. It's called a brain split. Your mind wants to say one thing, but your mouth is going to say something else. So your your brain sends your hand over your mouth to say, don't say the truth. But unfortunately, I don't know what he said because it was kind of gobbled. So, but whatever he said, he was covering his mouth when he says it. And usually, most likely, a sign of deception. That's the statement he's making. And I rewound it many times to try to get it, and I just couldn't hear it. But Lord, I don't know for sure how much, how much what it might have had on you or how much he does have on you. Lauren, for all that you're a cool dude, sometimes you have your stupid moments too. At 1707-08, he's got his hands in his pockets of his sweatshirt. Well, anytime someone's being interrogated and they're putting their hands in their pockets, and they're putting their hands, maybe even sitting on their hands. What they're doing, 
they're fearful that the interrogator is going to see that they're nervous or stressed out. So subconsciously, they're putting their hands away because they don't want to show any signs to the interrogator that they're under stress of being deceptive. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. You really have to look to see that one. You can see his hands in his sweatshirt pockets. You can tell they're moving around in there, but you know, you'll have, you'll have to see it when you watch it. 1707-23. And Wes seems to always be around and take, <laughs> take the biggest advantage of Warren oh, when he's being at his dumbest. I see you as possibly our only opportunity for ever recovering Cindy Van Der Heiden. And that's the truth. 1707-23. The interrogator says, you've done some stupid things, some stupid times. And he covers his face with his hands and laughs. You've had your stupid times, that's what she said. And he covers his face and laughs. That's a covering gesture. Again, he doesn't want the interrogator to see any signs on his face, any stress. He want, He's going to cover his face up and not talk anymore. Then he gives that laugh again, where just dismiss this. You know, it's not important. I'm making light of it. It's, you know, no big deal to me. I'm not stressed, so I'm just going to laugh. When I sat down and looked at this case, because, because I don't know for sure if you truly don't know where, where she might. 1708, shoulders rolled forward, chin low. When they asked, see, we see you as our only opportunity to recover Cindy. Now, this is an important one. At 1708.14, his shoulders roll forward and his chin goes low. And this is my opinion, and I can't say it, you know, definitely, but this is a pre-confession indicator. It's called a cluster, pre-confession cluster. He's being submissive. He's accepting the fact that he possibly knows how they can recover Cindy, but he doesn't say it. He's in that position, but again, he doesn't follow through. And I don't know, again, if the interrogators knew about this, maybe they would have went down that hole a little further. But that's an important one to watch. At 1708.25, The interrogator states, I don't know for sure if you truly don't know where she is. Okay, I'm just telling you, Uh, I'm trying to be honest with you. The woman inside, my name is Blood. I mean, you just need to understand where she was. Okay, Lauren, you need to understand what I'm, what what I'm thinking and what I'm worried about. How bad I wish I knew where she was. Okay, because then I could say, (laughs) there it is. Then Lauren, tell me, tell me something you do know. Following you. You've been dancing around me all, all the time we've been in here. 1708.28, from this question, he moves away, arms out to the side, palms up, and he says, do you want me to sign my name in blood? Do you want me to sign my name in blood? That's moving away from the interrogator, arms out, Palms up. I'm telling you guys the truth. Do you want me to sign my name in blood? Another denial flag. It's the same thing. I swear on my kids. I swear on the Bible. Do you want me to sign my name in blood? He's being deceptive. Plain and simple, in my opinion. I'm not smart, and I don't know how to play this system game. 
It's not. You know what I mean? It's not a game. No, it's not a game. It seems to be because everything is. You know, half the time it goes like this. And you know what? How in the hell did he get off that last thing he was in? Or whatever. It's my. Can you if tell all, me that? Can you tell me that? If can I, you tell me that? If I wanted to get you, can you tell me that? You need to listen to this. If I wanted to get you, he said he'd answer any question. Listen, can you me. tell me how he got off that last thing? We listen. don't. We don't know. This is 1999. Do you know what DNA is? Do you know what DNA is? DNA is that is the signature in everybody's cells that shows that your mom and dad, you are a mixture of your mother and father. 171941. Again, the aversion, shoulder higher than the other toward the interrogator. He doesn't like what they're talking about. It's very uh, kind of upsetting to him. He doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to talk about it. He does this a lot. And throughout the interrogation videos, you'll see it. And it's funny to hear the questions they ask him when he does this. Do you understand what the technology is like nowadays? We can tell you exactly whose blood that is. Whoa. Okay. Cool. I'm you have got to ask yourself, do you want to be part of what's in the trunk of that car? Because no. you, by your own statements, are in that car. No, I don't want to be in the trunk of that car. No, you don't, Lauren. And I don't No, I don't be in the trunk of that car. I don't know that, Lauren, because oh. I'm, I'm not <laughs> hearing anything from you that tells me that you have decided not to stand with Wes anymore. At seventeen twenty thirty seven, ask yourself. The interrogator asked him, ask Lauren, ask yourself, do you want to be part of what's in the trunk of that car? And his response is he moves away, gazes down, and shows contempt and arrogance and anger. And then he turns sideways away from the interrogator. Huge cluster, uh, behavior cluster right there. Deception. He's moving away. Gazes down. Doesn't want to make eye contact with the interrogator. Shows contempt and arrogance and anger. Turns sideways away from the interrogator. Meaning, I don't want to talk. A lot of these have kind of the same meaning. But basically, I'm turning away from this questioning. I don't want to participate anymore. That's what he's saying with that body language. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? The truth. Right here. Lauren, what I've always wanted from you I'll is the truth. I never want to see him again in my life. You're going to see but him I can again. See one more time, yeah. I, you're pushing it to what's going to come to you. You know it's going to come to you. What I'm going to have to do now, I, you're giving me no choice. Lauren, you have a choice. The choice is to talk to me. You keep putting me in there where it's like you're giving me no choice. No, you always have the choice. You are a man with <coughs> family and with children and parents that love you, Lauren. You always have a choice. At 1721-07, what do you want me to tell you? He yells. What do you want me to tell you? He throws his arms up. Anger, contempt, and arrogance. It's also a sign of defiance, reacting with, like I said, anger, aggression. You'll see he throws himself backwards, stiffens up his neck and back, and he's being 
he's being defensive. He thinks the interrogator's attacking him. So his response is, I'm going to upset this this line of communication. I'm going to get pissed. So he does that, and you know, and it kind of goes to another subject. And that's interesting to watch how mad he gets in an instance. He, then he puts on, at 1721, he puts on his sunglasses, which is another blocking indicator. He doesn't want them. He's thinking his mind. He doesn't want them to see his eyes. He might look scared. So he puts on his sunglasses. He doesn't want the interrogator to see how he's looking, if he might be fearful. Next time we will hear from Mike again as he analyzes part two of this interview, along with one of Wesley Sherman Time Jr.'s interview tapes.